Hey folks, this is actor-musician author Scott Schiaffo here, best known to you indie film fans as the Chulies Gum Guy from Kevin Smith's Clerks, and as Travis Lee from Brian Johnson's film Vulgar. You're listening to Throbbing with Aura. Fiends and horror hounds. This is Brett from Dimension Z. Joined as I am every week by Greg of the Dead. How you doing, man? Hot. Yeah. Um. Like I, we were talking a little bit before, like we started recording. Greg's like, "How hot is it in your room?" And I was like, "No, I've had the AC cranked all day up until like a couple seconds before we started recording." <laughs> we should have picked like a different disgusting verb instead of throbbing and sweating with horror today. Oh, yeah, it's a throbby, sweaty kind of day for us. <laughs> um, uh, so how you doing? Uh, not too bad. Um, I love this week's movie. Yeah, I had a lot of fun, too. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with this week's movie, and I always have. Like, I first saw it when Joe Bob did his, um, when he actually, like, started his seasons, like, before he was just doing, like, specials and whatnot. Now he's doing seasons. This was season one of The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs. And it was the first time I had ever seen it when he showed it. And uh, we're doing Cue the Winged Serpent this week. Yeah, uh, confusing title because I originally I think it was just called Cue, but then like it got too confusing and then they added the Winged Serpent. Yeah, because on Letterboxd it's just Cue, but I'm looking at a VHS that I own like right in front of me that says Cue the Winged Serpent. So Yeah, it's confusing. But um, uh, made in 1982... Written, directed, and produced by the great Larry Cohen. He did the Edward Trifecta. I know. I literally have in my notes for an Edward Trifecta any anytime someone does all three now. I, every time I see that in a movie, it just makes me so happy. Because it just makes me feel like they believed in their product like that much more. Of like, I'm putting everything into it, you know? Oh, yeah. Or like, it's fine. No one's going to do this. I'm going to do it myself type deal. Q the Winged Serpent isn't on Shudder anymore, so Joe Bob's original episode isn't there anymore. But they added this great new feature where it's just the Joe Bob segments, where even though they don't have the rights to the movie anymore, they still have the segments that Joe Bob did between like the movie breaks. Yeah, so you were telling me about that. that last week. That's really cool. Yeah, I, so and I love that too, because like right now Q isn't on Shudder. But I can still watch Joe Bob's commentary on it. And from what he was saying, Larry Cohen was supposed to, uh, was in the middle of doing another movie that kind of fell through. And then so like within like two or three weeks, he wrote uh, this movie and already had it where it's like, OK, day one filming. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I was going to say it shows jokingly, but like, you know what? It's not that like everything's solid in here. Like, there's stuff I can still make fun of, but that's, like, every week. But, like, right. it's a solid movie for coming together that quick. Well, like, Mar uh, Michael Moriarty as Jimmy Quinn is, like, one of the best anti-heroes. Where, like, so, like, he's actually, like, our hero of the movie. Like, I would say, like, how it's written. But he's still a complete dickhead. Like, he, like, beats his girlfriend. He's, like, 
an alcoholic, you know, he's like an ex junkie, you know, like there's a lot of shit going against him. He's a criminal. Like he's like robbing, robbing diamonds and whatnot. And I'd say it's a toss up between him and the detective shepherd guy for like our hero slash lead. Yeah. Uh, David Carradine, which yeah. holy shit. The David Carradine is in this movie, you know? Yeah. Dude, this movie like rules. No joke about it. I'm, who would have known, like, a giant lizard monster flying around New York would work so well? Well, it's just the, like, out there writing of Larry Cohen, like, as long as, like, as well as his directing. Michael Moriarty is just such a weird guy, and supposedly he was, like, really hard to deal with on set. But Larry Cohen used him for, like, four different movies, I believe. So, like, he had to be good enough to deal with. This Michael Moriarty guy. Because yeah. you seem to have like a bit of knowledge about him. I don't know much about this dude. Like, what's what else is he from? Well, uh, he was also in the stuff. Um, he was in It's Alive three, I believe, and he was in um Larry Cohen's episode of Masters of Horror in like the early two thousands. Okay, so it's not like someone that I definitely like. It's weird that I don't know him. Okay, um, I got you. you. Know he's like a like C D movie character actor. Okay, I wanted to make sure like I wasn't somehow like missing the boat here. No, this is just a weird one where it's like one of those weird actors where like I could see like Brad Pitt standing on that street corner and the exact opposite street corner, Michael Moriarty standing there. And I'm like, holy shit, that's Michael Moriarty. <laughs> so uh, not to give anything away, but this is also like a I won't say like top or anything that we've ever done, but like a high death movie to pull off is surprising given the premise of what this is. Oh yeah. I mean, there's a lot of beheadings. There's a lot of like skinnings and whatnot where like, they're like willingly like letting you like, yeah, take my skin for this like bird God. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, How do we pronounce the Q's full name? Quetzalcoatl? Quetzalcoatl? Quetzalcoatl or something like that. I believe that actually is a real Aztec thing. I mean, it seems like it could be. Because I know I've heard that term before out of, like, horror movies. Yeah. Like, dealing with stuff like that. And, like, um, I went to the Aztec pyramids one time, like, some of them in Mexico, like, in Chichen Itza, which you see, like, a shot of them here. And, like, they showed some stuff like that. I'm pretty sure, like, he was mentioned somewhere there, like, on a tour or something. Well, that'd be cool if, like, Larry Cohen went, like, that in depth, like, even though he's, like, I got two weeks to, like, write this thing, but he's, like, let me, like, look on, or he's also, like, a really smart guy, so it just could be something that he knows about. Yeah, I don't think it's anything, like, too out there if it's true, like, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I don't think you would have had to dig too deep. You find, like, ancient blood god, you know, something like that. Well, uh... At one point, did a couple movies ago, I forget which one it was, but you were like, this is one of the quickest deaths in a movie. This one rivals that one, because within a minute, someone's beheaded. Uh, you know what? It was uh, Phantasm, the grave, the grave stabbing. Yes. The graveyard sex stabbing. That one might have been a little bit quicker than this one, but this one was still a really quick death, ex- especially for being a beheading. <laughs> Oh, yeah, very much for sure. Uh, there, This one did take a little longer because you have the whole intro, the girls on the phone talking, the window washers waving. Like They have a little more going on before they get to it. Yeah, I guess that puts us right into the movie. Should we get started on the beat for beat? Yeah, that's, that's what I'm into. 
if this is your first episode, guys, uh, what we do, we kind of beat for beat the movie. We don't just narrate, though. Don't worry. We pull off anytime there's something to discuss. Then we do a bunch of cool stuff like kill count ratings and all that stuff at the end. Right. So uh, this window washer guy is doing the window washer thing in New York City. One, that's so weird to me because where we live, we don't have such a thing. Like that you would just have like a man outside your window scrubbing it while you're working. Also, this movie is terrifying to me because I hate heights. And this entire movie takes, like, place on, like, the 80th floor of, like, this building. And they do these, like, camera angles. Like, that's one thing where, like, I'm like, oh, I can say I'm brave in one way. Like, heights just don't scare me that bad. Oh, no, like, even watching this movie, every time I watch it, like, some of those shots, like, my heart drops. Where I'm just like, oh, they're way too high. Like, I'm scared for the cameraman in 1982. Like, Oh, it's a a helicopter, don't worry. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, this window washer's washing the window, and he just loses his head, and that's it. Because yeah. the lady in the building turns around and sees the headless window washer still strapped in there, and there's no head. I love, because we get our Detective Shepard next, and they're talking about the case, and I love that he says, well, maybe his head just got loose and fell off. Yeah, because they're like, well, maybe uh, he's like, well, maybe like something fell from the top and like took his head off. And the other cops like, there's no reports of any broken windows or anything. And he's like, shit, I don't know what you want from me. Like, I don't know. Maybe his head got loose. Like, I don't know. I don't want to do my job right now. Like, I want to go to the bar. <laughs> yeah, which sets us up for what I think is going to be the movie. And I am wrong because you think it's just going to be the detectives trying to track this thing down and while well, this thing's killing in the meantime. But then we're introduced to this crazy curveball of this mob crew at lunch. Yeah, where they're discussing like their next big hit that we find out at, at like a diamond exchange or something or it's at like a jewelry shop or something. But yeah. it's Michael Moriarty playing Jimmy Quinn and he's like, I only drive I and I don't carry no gun and I want 20%. And that's how it's going to be. Why does he not want a gun? Well, because I, I, because Jimmy's a coward. Like, he's a coward that wants to act like he's a big man, but he can't quite pull it off, is what I believe. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm taken back to the line from Tusk, you don't want a gun? What kind of American are you? Yeah, where he's like, well, I think also he's thinking about jail time as well, where he's like, if I have a gun on me and, like, I go inside... I'm going to do a lot more time than if I'm just the driver. Smart man. But yeah, then we get um, a guy flayed in a hotel room. These are just, the way we're going through it right now at the beginning is also the way the movie is. It's bam, this, bam, this, bam. And so, bam, guy skinned alive and flayed in a hotel room that the cleaning staff finds. If one thing this podcast has taught me is never be like housekeeping at a hotel. Oh, no, because, like, yeah, from the Devil's Rejects to this movie, you don't want to be walking into someone else's, like, hotel room mess. No, it's always bad. This Um, also kind of screams Larry Cohen, where, like, you know how Kevin Smith movies have, like, that certain feel to them? Yeah. Larry Cohen movies also have that kind of feel to them. Like, you can't quite explain it, but when you're watching a Larry Cohen movie, you know it. Like, this is a lot like the stuff, where, like, Things just keep happening, and, like, eventually, like, once you watch this movie, like, two or three times, they start to make sense. I don't think this doesn't make sense. I don't think it's, like, Phantasm, where you have to tell me, Greg, you have to watch it ten more times. Like, I'm not getting that at all. 
and I still expect you to watch that movie over and over again until you like it like I have. I will not, good sir. But you're making your way through the series now, didn't you say? I am, yeah. I, I did decide to do that, so maybe mm-hmm. I'll come around. Where are you up to now? I'm on three right now. Oh, okay. Oh, I'd love three. Three might yeah, be I'm my the favorite middle of, of the series. But yeah, I think Cohen really went to the... Now, this is a metaphor, but like that same school of like Edgar Wright and Sam Raimi with like, quick, pack everything you need in here, bam, next thing. You know what I right. mean? That, yeah, like, where it's a, it's a lot of quick cuts, and when there needs to be like long dialogue scenes, they happen, and they're real. Uh, I think they're really well written. Oh, for sure. So we have this lady sunbathing on top of a building, and she's being watched by. I guess a peeping tom would still be qualified, even though he's on a tree, like from another roof with a telescope. And she's topless sunbathing there, and we get our first shot of Q as he takes the sunbathing woman. Yeah, which, this is another reason I love, like, 80s and, so, like, 70s and 80s movies and whatnot, when they still did the practical effects. Because Q looks, I mean, honestly, he looks like shit. But he looks amazing for what they had to work with at the time, you know? I'll kind of argue with you, and don't take this wrong. I don't think he looks like shit until you get the full body cue towards the end. When you're just getting little bits and pieces of him, and it's like a shot of just his face or his claw or something, I don't think he looks bad. I legit think he holds up well in those shots. It's when you get later, and they have that like stop-motion, claymation-looking cue at, towards the end that he looks like shit. I also love the giant like claw that they have going in the pool later on. Oh, yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, so to make this scene happen, they had to build a giant claw that would go around this guy and lift him up a little bit. Yeah, at least to pull him up and then cut. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so he takes her. Look how many kills we've already had. Oh, yeah, and we're just getting into the movie. (laughs) Yeah, like, we barely have our premise yet. I love, like, the... They don't cut out the obvious. This is New York. It's busy. So there's like blood dripping on the passerbys below on the streets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love that scene where like they're walking by and they're getting like dripped on and whatnot. And everyone's looking up. I think at this point they're at the Empire State Building or like at the very beginning there at the Empire State Building. We then transfer to the Chrysler Building because Larry Cohen wanted to use the Empire State Building. But I think they said no. And then he finally begged and put like a put up enough money to use the Chrysler building. But they had no idea what he was going to use it for and to like what extent. So like later on when they're like firing guns out the window and whatnot, they did not expect that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they didn't. Um, but I kind of like that they use the Chrysler building because I've seen the Empire State Building used for a ton, which don't get me wrong, it's iconic. But it's cool having another like nice uh, landscape building being used. Well, it's a cool building, and it's also, like, cool, like, even though I'm terrified of heights and I hate these scenes because they terrify me, it's cool seeing, like, those inside shots of, like, the very top where it's, like, just, like, rickety ladders and there's just, like, boards laying around. Like, if there's a zombie apocalypse, go to the uh, Chrysler building because there's plenty of boards to board things up. <laughs> um, You know how I said this is a pretty flawless movie? Yeah. This next scene makes me regret saying that a little bit, and I'm going to turn to you to try to turn me around on it. Okay, where are we at now? This is where Jimmy Quinn, our hero of the movie, 
the other gig they told the mob he had wasn't another mob gig. It was him at a bar oh. trying out to be a musician. Yeah, I love the scene. What's going on here, though? Because I thought it was him, like, pulling a job. You know what I mean? Like, there's going to be someone comes in while he's distracting, something like that. But no, it's just him trying out to be the musician, but he's not a good musician in the slightest. Well, he's playing like jazz, which... I understand, but he's not good at playing the jazz either. Well, he would be better if he didn't go... Along with the piano. If he just played piano, he would be great. The fact that he has to like do the mouth things and whatnot, that ruins it. Yeah, and like he doesn't like commit to it either. It's not like... You know what I mean? He's like, and he's like, his eyes are all shifting around and whatnot. And he's like, that's why I love Michael Moriarty and like Jimmy. It's just his character's so fucking weird. He would never be in any other kind of movie. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He reminds me almost of like New York Bill Burr. Yeah, 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 I could see that. Hey. I love yeah, piano. <laughs> yeah, he really does. He's just like the New York Bill Burr. Yeah. So he goes back doing the mob jobs. Important, he, he does kind of walk into Detective Shepard on the way out. Well, yeah, First time love... they cross paths. Yeah, isn't Detective Shepard? He says something about his playing. And he's like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, I think he compliments him. Though. He's like, hey, I thought it was good or something. But yeah, he's bad. He goes back to doing mob jobs. And this is where we get our jewelry store robbery scene, right? Yeah, where it's, like, one of the worst robberies of all time. Like, it immediately goes bad, and, like, Jimmy takes off with, like, like briefcase full of diamonds, and he gets hit by a taxi, and the briefcase goes, like, flying across the street. So he doesn't even have the diamonds anymore, even though he took off with them. And he just keeps running. And this is when he finds, um, when he just keeps running and running and whatnot, is when he goes to the top of the Chrysler building, and he's being, like, chased by security and whatnot. And this yeah. is when he finds the nest and the egg, and he just keeps climbing, like, a million ladders. Yeah, there's just this enormous giant egg, which is kind of cheesy, I guess. I don't know, but it's cool. It's very monster movie of, like, oh my god, like, it's already setting up for, like, a sequel that never happened. Of, like, there's oh, an no. egg, so there's a baby, you know? Yes. Um <laughs> But they find the giant egg, and he finds the bloody skeleton, and it falls on him while he's taking a piss up there. Yeah, he's trying to take a pee, then a skeleton falls on him, and then he sees a bracelet on the skeleton that's from the sunbathing girl. Yeah, what's up with him, like, just, even if I wasn't aware of any death or anything surrounding this, I don't think I'd take a piss right by the giant egg that's bigger than me. No, I would go down a couple levels, like, just being like, I'm going to separate myself from this ginormous egg and nest. Yeah, I might piss myself, but I'm not just casually taking a piss. If I'm that high up in that building, I've already pissed myself at least twice. Yeah. Um, When he leaves the building, we do get that cool shot of, like, the pigeons picking at the skeleton. Yeah. It's a cool-looking skeleton, too. Like, it still has chunks on it and whatnot. Yeah, it's well done. It's been too long since we've seen someone get picked off. So there's a construction site and oh yeah, there's a worker who's mad about his sandwich and the other guys always eat his lunch. Yeah, his wife made him a tuna sandwich and he's mad that like the other guys ate it. He's And I love the one guy, the guy that stole it. He's like, one of these days I got to drop by his house and tell his wife he makes a great, uh, she makes a great tuna sandwich. 
But yeah. could you think of a worse kind of sandwich to make to put in a hot pail? Because this is the early eighties. They don't there's probably not an ice pack in that pail. So there's just tuna sandwich setting in the hot sun for hours oh, yeah, I'm and sure hours. It's disgusting. That's gonna oh, make you sick. They, they immediately That's get, the guy who stole it. Yeah, they immediately get the shits. Like this yeah. is just like this is I want you to come home early because you're sick. <laughs> it's what's that the office where they're on the plane and Oscar packs like egg salad sandwich and Michael's like, Could you have picked a stinkier food to pack? Yeah, could you have picked a worse food? No, no yeah. Um Toby. Oh, that's it, yeah. Yeah, um, it's like fuck you, Toby. <laughs> but yeah, that one worker who had his lunch stolen, he gets picked off by Q next. And like the blood earlier, the foot drops and scares people below. This is actually really smart because it's setting up for like they're not gonna be able to keep this under wraps. Things keep happening. Yeah, body parts just keep falling out of the sky randomly. This is where um what's his name again? Detective Shepard is at this Aztec museum learning about ritualistic flaying. Yeah, like I love how when, people. Like he sees the skin person, like w- which was one of the very first scenes. He immediately goes to like this must have something to do with the Aztecs. So he goes to an Aztec museum. Like I would love, which to looks think about... like it's in an apartment complex with just a giant like some Aztec looking decorations outside of it. Like I would love to think about the rest of like the department is like where the fuck is Shepard? Like this is critical. What the fuck's going on? And they're all like he's at the Aztec Museum. It's like what the fuck is he doing at the fucking Aztec Museum? You know you're not far off from the way they react to him there throughout it. Yeah, they keep they keep basically are like are you insane about like even suggesting this? <laughs> yeah. So Jimmy Quinn, cutting back to him, goes to, I think it's his girlfriend's apartment, but um, she was also the girl from the bar. He's all spastic and tells her about the body, and he's freaking out, and he's rambling on about the nest and everything, and she doesn't seem to be buying much of it. Well, no, I love, like, yeah, this is, like, it seems like it's almost like it's her apartment, but he just sleeps there all the time because he's basically homeless. Yeah. And, like, he's just immediately, he's like, yeah, I saw this body and a giant egg and whatnot, and I just need a drink. Get me a drink. And she's like, I'm not getting you a drink. I know what happens when you drink. And he's like, oh, come on, just just give me one drink. (laughs) Yeah. Also, like, doesn't she say, like, oh, you're preparing your defense? Like, doesn't she think he's just acting insane? Yeah, he, well, he starts being like, I think I'm going crazy. And she's like, oh, already preparing your defense, huh? And he's like, that's not what I'm doing. Fuck you. So what do we get next? We get the another kill. This one's a sacrifice. Someone getting cut open alive. This is the flaying we've been seeing going on. Is this the um one where they cut out their heart? Yes, it is. Because yeah. the detectives find the body missing a heart. Kalima! Kalima! I'm so glad you thought that too. Good. Oh, 100%. You have to. We get a real quick shot of Q killing another construction worker. He keeps picking off anyone on the rooftops, pretty much. Well, yeah, well, they're easy prey. I mean, they're just asking for it. That's what you get for being high up. That's why you need to be inside on ground level. (laughs) Yeah, and we get our first shot of, like, the newspaper starting to talk about this giant bird. And, which you had to know is coming, the mob comes after Quinn because, hey, he took all these diamonds and just up and left us. Yeah, well, at this point, yeah, uh, Quinn, like, after he, like, fights with his girlfriend and, like, threatens to hit her again, which is, like, he's a complete dickhead. Um, 
he like goes to sleep for what seems like a couple days and then of course yeah like you said the mob or like the bad guys are like hey like they're banging on this door being like we know you're the last one to have the diamonds so give us the fucking diamonds and he's like i ain't got no diamonds i i, I still got a gun and i ain't afraid to use it i love like they are the most bargain bin Sopranos mobster actors that they could possibly find too to play these guys. Oh yeah, well like uh like um the other week when we well I think it was during Phantasm when we had Lemmy from Wish.com. This is Sopranos from Wish.com. No, this is even more like five dollar bin at some like, big box store mobsters that they could get. Like Dollar Tree. Like Yeah. They're, they're, like it's even discounted there. Yeah. But he runs away, but of course they catch him. And Jimmy takes them, like, okay, I'll show you where I stashed the diamonds. And he takes them back to the rooftop of which, the Chrysler building. Which is, I mean, honestly, it's a completely shitty move by him. But it's also extremely smart. Like, how can I get rid of these guys? They're going to kill me. I know what to do. I'll take them to the giant bird. Yeah, which he doesn't even know of per se yet, but yeah, it's kind of a genius plan. Yeah, well, he knows that there's, like, dead bodies up there, so he knows, like, okay, there's something that's huge up there that's feeding. I'll just be like, yeah, the diamonds are up there! Go up that ladder, uh, bargain basement soprano! (laughs) And, of course, they both get eaten one at a time, and Jimmy escapes. Uh, leave the case, take the cannoli. (laughs) Um... Quinn takes another... This is the cool rooftop pool scene that we were talking about earlier. The guy dives into the pool, and you just see this awesome, like, practical effect foot come down yeah. and pick him up. Well, it reminds me of, like, Toy Story 1, when, like, it, it's, the like, the green aliens, and they're like, the claw! <laughs> well, good pool, that's actually very accurate, what this is <laughs> like. I also love, like, just to go back one scene with Jimmy, like, feeding the Sopranos to the bird. I love how he's downstairs being like, yeah, that's what you fucking deserve. That's what you get for fucking messing with Jimmy Quinn. Yeah, I'll feed you to that bird. Like, he's, like, all, like, talking shit on the people that are getting eaten, like, a level below them. Yeah. So, right after the rooftop pool scene, which... I'm curious how they did that still now that we're talking about it. I wonder if there's like a behind the scenes thing like on that. Yeah, there had to be like a crane and like the claws like closed. So like that thing was an animatronic. And this movie wasn't made for like very much money. It was like only like a million or two like back in the 80s. So that had to be most of their budget, honestly. Well, that's what they said. I think most of their budget went to helicopter shots and like the monster itself. Yeah. Um, so, and then Quinn is arrested that they get him on the way back to the apartment and he's taken to the question to be the taken to the station to be questioned. And this is when he kind of starts being like, I know like what's killing everyone. I know about this giant thing, but you're going to pay me like way more money than I'm worth (laughs) and give me immunity. Yeah, he asked for everything. But yeah, because he's eavesdropping on the cops talking about it, and he realizes, he's like, oh, I have a gold mine. But also, it's, I mean, yes, he's a scumbag, but he's being very smart about it. He's like, I'm going to get every little thing I can get out of this. I think he kind of played himself a little bit. I think if he wouldn't have gone so over the top, 
they would have just did his things, not looked for any loopholes in the contract, anything like that. Yeah, he but- said, look, I want immunity and 50 grand. I'm sure he would have had no problem. Well, yeah, the immunity they basically said yes on. When he brought up the $1 million, like, I can just <laughs> imagine him having his pinky held up to his mouth. like Exactly. Yeah, I think he overshot a little. If he would have shot a little lower, he would have had less pushback on it. Yeah. But yeah, because he, um, what he wants, here's his demands. He wants immunity, $1 million, and all rights to photos of the creature. So any photos taken at the scene, like well, he'll have to get paid for them to be published anywhere. Right. Like you said, if he hadn't have asked for a million dollars from the city, if he had asked for like 50 grand, like you said, I don't think it would have been anywhere near as much of a problem because you're also getting the rights to the pictures and whatnot, which you can sell for way more than a million dollars, I bet. Oh, yeah, if you had a giant monster that was eating people in New York and you had the only photos of it, you have more than a million right there. Oh, yeah. And, like, like he said, like, yeah, you're going to go on talk shows and whatnot. Like, he's just, he's, like, trying to squeeze every little bit out of this that he can for himself, and he it's going to backfire on him. Yeah. So we cut to, he's at the diner with Detective Shepard, and they're devising a plan, and he's given information, kind of, like, what he knows about it and everything. And... I love his information is to get a giant circus tent and <laughs> drape it over the building to stop the creature from escaping. Yeah, he's like, go to Ringling Brothers and like rent a tent. And I love David Carradine playing De- uh, Detective Shepard. He's like, well, we're not going to return it like in great condition. And Michael Moriarty as Jimmy's like, yeah, well, then they can just sue the city. And he's like, yeah, like everyone else is. Yeah, the commissioner, not the detective. Um, he believes in the giant bird, okay, at least that's something, but has no patience for any of this Aztec god connections that Detective Shepard keeps bringing up. Right. Well, the, like, we, how many times have we said during the course of this podcast, say as much information as you have to to get your thing across? Does it matter that every little single detail is, like, documented? Just, the only thing that matters is the thing is taken care of, you know? Yeah. You don't have giant to bird like, is fine. You don't need yeah. to go into the origins of giant bird. Yeah, they're already on board with you with giant bird. You're being like, no, 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 fuck you. Shut the fuck up. Um, they're skinning themselves willingly for this Aztec bird that's a god. And it's like, okay, you're kind of losing me a little bit. I had you with giant bird. <laughs> And I get it, because that's how the bird was brought back, is through the sacrifices. Right. One, the sacrifices are still a crime, so just make that a different file. You don't need to attach them. Exactly. And later on, when, like, everything's wrapped up, you can later make that connection to make it right. (laughs) Yeah. You don't have to. The thing that matters at the very beginning is that the crimes stop happening. Not that you're like, no, 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 no. This is all Aztec related. (laughs) (laughs) So I got a question about this commissioner, by the way. Yeah. Commissioner of the NYPD, correct? Right. Why is he British? Uh, Because fancy man. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I'll take it. Fancy man, because because he's British and he's like fancy and he has a high like level of authority. Okay. Yeah. All right. Oi. Um, (laughs) <laughs> oh, give me a point! I love when you do that so much. 
I oh, there's no no you get to listen to the Shaun of the Dead episode to get the background. I have no idea why I started doing that during that episode. I just think I had had like one or two, like too many to drink, and I was just yeah, like, "You're a little in at that point." Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I'm on the point. What's about this? Kill the wing serpent. Hoy, 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 hoy. <laughs> Anyway, um, I love this next scene because it's Quinn and this huge, and I mean huge, police force just invading the Chrysler building. And I want to point out with no circus tent. Oh, yeah, where I love Quinn, uh, yeah, Jimmy's like, okay, yeah, when are you dropping the canvas? And uh, the shepherd is like, yeah, we kind of skipped that part. And he's like, what? Like, that that was my brilliant idea. Was you're going to drop the circus tent on top of the Chrysler building? Yeah, it, and you know it probably would have worked. But um, Detective Shepard's first up the ladder, and there's no cue, just the egg. Right. Where well, yeah, they they uh, everyone. It's a bunch of great shots of them going up the ladder. They're still bullying, uh, bullying like Jimmy kind of of like go up the ladder. Here's a gun, and he. I love uh, Jimmy keeps being like, "Why is everyone handing me revolvers? I don't want a revolver." Yeah, that's a good point. Um, he does shoot the egg, and they kill the baby Q. And yeah, there's a the... fake out where it kind of comes back for a second, and then they just kill it more. Yeah, which the baby cue coming out of the egg is, like, pretty awesome looking. And we get a lot of great gunfire, like, on top of the Chrysler building. I'll give you a hint here, too. I don't count baby cue in the kill count because it's not a human. Oh, come on. It's still alive. No. Nope, nope, nope. Aw, poor baby. And, well, they get the the egg and whatever you'd call it. But they leave. They don't get Quetzalcoatl, whatever, cue. They have no cue there. Yes. I love like I don't exactly remember either where it's set at, but somebody says an omelet joke somewhere in these scenes, and I really liked it. Of course, someone's gonna make one. Well, you have to. <laughs> By the way, I love that the people watching the Aztec Museum cops, the undercover cop, is a mime. Oh yeah, out of nowhere, a mime shows up. Yeah, uh, see someone go in and radios to the cops. Someone just went in, suspicious looking. They all the cops go in, including our mime cop, which is amazing. And I the, love that the mime makes the phone call and then immediately goes back to juggling. Yeah, and when he leaves, he takes all of his tips. Oh, of course, I love too. They like when he gets in the car, they're like, "How much did you make?" And he says, "Like a dollar something, I think." <laughs> it wasn't very much, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, they get there just in time to stop the sacrifice, which has already started. It, but remember, all these sacrifices are, like, willing sacrifices, so the victim is mad and runs at them, and he gets shot. Yeah, I love he, like, yeah, he's sitting there getting, like, and it's really fucking sick, too, to watch this scene, because it looks real, where he's getting cut open with a scalpel from his chest down to his stomach. And this is when the police bust in, and he's like, leave us alone! Leave us alone! This is our own thing! Like... <laughs> Yeah, it's disturbing and weird, and the guy sacrificing him is in, like, a bird suit. Well, yeah, he's in, yeah, he's in a bird suit. Where It reminds me of Bird Person from Rick and Morty, where he's like, Oh, yeah. It's, it's been a very difficult mating season for Bird Person. <laughs> but, yeah, the guy who's getting sacrificed is dead now because he ran at them and got well, shot, and they chased the sacrificer onto the roof. 
Something also that I noticed is like the guy that was like willing to be sacrificed. He's like unbuttoning like his suit and whatnot. So it's like he's like a businessman that's willing to do this. It's not like some junkie where he's like, "Hey, come in here and just say these words," and you know, I'll he's do not like some you. some unfortunate person they tricked into it. Right. They chase him up under the roof, but Q comes down and grabs the detective who's closest and drops him, plummeting him to his death. Is the was that the detective that uh, Jimmy hated or no? I don't remember exactly. Me neither. And then speaking of Jimmy Quinn, we get to him throwing a tantrum at his girlfriend's apartment about not getting his money, which we forgot to mention. Since they didn't get Q in their whole building invasion, they say he doesn't get his million dollars, which oh, yeah. I say is on their fault for not following Jimmy's instructions of a circus tent. Right. Yeah, but I love where he's like walking downstairs and he's like, Jimmy's still like kind of happy and whatnot. And Detective Shepard's like, yeah, I guess you blew your million, huh? And he's like, oh, come on. Like, I I've, I showed you where the bird was and whatnot. You got the egg. And uh, Shepard's like, yeah, but that's not what the deal was for. The deal was for the mama bird, not the baby bird. And then he, like, hands him, like, 50 cents. He's like, here's for the coffee earlier. And Jimmy, like, throws it at him. He's like, fuck you, man. Come on. Yeah, he told him to stick it up his ass or something. Yeah, something like that. He's like, yeah, stick this up your ass. Like, Jimmy has a lot of great lines throughout the movie. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what's funny is the cops are still at the tower and they hear Q returning, which we'll get to all that in a minute. But I got to say, I think Jimmy should get his money because Q does come to that spot. Exactly. The fact that they didn't get him right that second, I don't think matters. The fact that like he led the him like led the police to where the nest is, you know Q's gonna come back. So yeah. they still got the bird, so Jimmy should still get the million. Yeah, I say Jimmy and, was robbed. And but yeah, because the he's uh like you said, like now we're at the scene where um Jimmy's in the apartment with his girlfriend and he's yelling because the lawyer gave back the million dollars, which that's a shitty lawyer. He should fight for that money until, you know, the last minute. Like, he shouldn't just hand it back and be like, oh, here you go. You know? Yeah. Um, the girlfriend does kick him out of the apartment, by the way, during that whole tantrum he's thrown. Yeah, he, she's like, Ghostly, there's a, a park bench just your size out there somewhere. Yeah, but yeah, so the cops are still at the tower, and they hear Key returning, and this is actually a really cool scene. I like this whole battle scene here. Oh yeah, this whole battle scene, like, earlier when I was saying when Larry Cohen, like, rented the top of the Chrysler building for this movie, they just thought that it was the very top floor. They didn't know it was also, like, the dome and the ladders and whatnot and everything up top going up to the point, where they're shooting blanks out this window... And there's just bullet like shells raining down onto the street while normal people are walking by. <laughs> Do you know that whole thing like it's illegal to throw anything off the top of like the Empire State Building because it'll kill someone? Right. You know that's a myth? No, I didn't know that. Well, I mean, I think the law is there, but it won't actually kill someone. Well, like Cause... if you throw a penny off the top of it yeah, and it hits that... someone on the head, it'll kill them. Yeah, because it actually, it's so light it won't pick up enough momentum by the time it hits them. It'll I mean, hurt, it'll sense. sting, but yeah, it won't kill him. Right. Which, you know how, how I have that Dawn of the Dead uh, bullet shell? Yeah. 
I would love to have a cue the winged serpent bullet shell. That'd be so cool. But you know that most of those probably just got like swept down the storm drain and they've been exactly. never seen from again. Yeah, probably. But this is really cool because this whole rooftop battle's going on and they're opening fire at Q and one gets knocked off the basket thing that's hanging off on the side of the building and another gets thrown out of the tower and it almost gets Shepard here. Like, it's pretty cool, but they've pumped enough lead into it. Like, it flies away injured, kills a couple cops there, and it, like, falls to the ground and onto a lower building. Well, yeah, this is... I have a couple of thoughts about this whole thing. Number one... Yeah, go ahead. I do not want to be one of the basket cops. No, that has to be, like... Who did they piss off to be, hey, you're the basket guy? Either it's someone everyone, like, everybody hates that person in the station, or that's the rookie. Or the dead eye. They're like, oh, uh, Officer Brett is the best. He can take him out with one shot. Watch. Put him in a basket. He's that good. Or, like, how they talked about Cordell before he died, a maniac cop. How he was, like, the cop of cops, where he was just, like, live or die cop. Like, Cordell would be out there, I guess, in, in the basket. Well, yeah, I mean, he's a basket cop. Honestly, this was in New York. This was in the early 80s, and Maniac Cop was the late 80s. The I don't think Maniac Cordell... Cop was New York, though, was it? What's that? I don't think Maniac Cop was New York, was yeah, it? Yeah, it was. Why did I think it was like Boston or something? No, I'm pretty sure Maniac Cop is New York. Oh, maybe then. So Cordell could have been there against the siege of Q. I like this interconnected universe, yes. I, I like this fan fiction that I'm creating. Now, I just want Rule 34, Matt Cordell, the serpent from Q, like, picture. I don't. Just, like, but Cordell, okay. like, ramming this monster. I do not want this. <laughs> or, like, the monster has tentacles for some reason, so it becomes hentai. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> But this is where Q looks like shit that we were talking about earlier. Because this is where it shows, like, the faraway shot of him as he's, like, injured oh, and yeah. falling. And... Yeah, he's, like, the... bleeding out of, like, multiple bullet holes and whatnot. Like, they've hit him a fuck ton. Uh, but this is um also where the movie goes super cheesy. is when Q is picking people out of the top of the Chrysler building. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a couple of them, too. Where it, yeah, you can definitely tell it's like a map painting with like a uh, stop motion, like a uh, clay figure, like picking like people out and they're like falling, but it looks like Alan Rickman falling off the top of the building on Die Hard. <laughs> I know I referenced Q when we did Evil Dead, so I'll reference Evil Dead when we do Q. Um, it like that Deadite, the Super Deadite from the end of Evil Dead 2, like that same style of like animation and everything. Oh yeah, exactly. Where it's like, it's stop motion and it almost works, but it's a little bit off, so you kind of chuckle at it. You remember when me and you were in school, like anytime they'd show like an old dinosaur like educational thing? This yeah. is like the tech they also always use for like dinosaurs. Oh yeah, this is like the um old like Ray Harryhausen like 1950s and 60s like stop motion dinosaur tech. <laughs> so Quinn is at a hotel room because Q's dead, by the way. Yeah, so Q dies here, falls to the ground. I don't know what they did with it, by the way. That's an interesting story that they didn't get into. Yeah, where like yeah the uh Q like hits a building and then like rolls off the building and I guess just hits the ground and then we're just done with that character now. <laughs> 
Yeah, we, we're not going to have, like, a thing of the cleanup crew who has to come and cut Q into pieces to take it away? Well, b- because then it becomes, like, uh, Godzilla versus King Kong or whatever, where it's Dude, like, like, oh, Godzilla the skull is, like, a supercomputer, just like Pacific Rim, and, you know, oh, nothing's gotcha. original. Oh, that's that's the sequel to Q? Yeah, where it's like, yeah, it's Q ver who could Q verse? Like, who who's uh, another giant monster? Oh, let's, okay, if we're going to keep it but, in this realm. But on his same level, like, not like Q versus, like, Godzilla, because Godzilla's A-list monster. I'm thinking, like, Q versus, like, maybe Gamera. No, Gamera's still a little too much. Like, Q, okay, let's make it modern. What was that? Uh, Q versus the Meg. Oh, yeah, that would, that would be cool. Yeah, okay. I'd, I'd watch that movie. Oh, because then we get what's his name, Jason Statham, in the Q movie, where he's like riding Q, and he's like, "I'm gonna tame this monster." Oh, we get like Jason Statham and Moriarty having to work together, but they hate each other. Yeah, oh, this would be yeah. a fun movie, Brett. Oh, Jason Statham, where he's like all Mister Tough Guy. He's like, "I'm gonna fucking tame this thing." Like, I'm like, Rrr. and is Michael Moriarty already going like, "I don't know," like, "I don't know what you want from me." Can I just have a drink? Like, I, I, I. <laughs> I don't want to carry a gun. Where's the bar on the submarine? Come on. Okay, can I? Is there a piano? Like, I, I really like jazz. Oh, man. What amount of money would it take for us to get this thing made? Because I think Michael Moriarty is still alive, so it could happen. <laughs> but so Quinn's at a hotel. He hears a knock. And it's the sacrificer guy. Like, because oh. he specifically wants Jimmy Quinn, because he's the one who basically led to the death of Q. Did you recognize who that who that sacrificer guy is? He looks super familiar to me, and please um, enlighten me, because it was driving me crazy. Do you like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Love it. Um, Charlie and Frank's landlord. Oh, no shit, for real, is that him? Yep, that's him, where he comes to the door every once in a while, and him and Frank argue about the rent and like what needs repaired. Okay. Yeah, Dude, that's that, him. That just made this go up even higher in my book. Well, when I saw him, I was like, holy shit, that's got to be the guy. And I looked it up, and I was like, yep, that's him. Yeah. <laughs> um. So the sacrificer guy's holding Jimmy Quinn at knife point, and Shepard shows up to save Quinn. And why does he have to shoot the sacrifice guy, like, five times? I, I have no I idea. I don't mean he fires five shots into him. Bam, 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 bam. I mean, shoots him. He starts getting up, like, to kill Jimmy again, shoots him again, and this goes on, like, two or three more times. And it shows one of the first shots is to the head. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on here. But it's fun. It's kind of funny, because at the very end, David Carradine's just like, God damn it, fuck you, like, bam, 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 bam. Like, he's just, like, (laughs) pumps, like, two shots into him, like, one after another, and he's like, and then he looks at um Jimmy, and he's like, you scared, weren't you? It's like, yeah, I was fucking scared, man. <laughs> and him and Jimmy walk out kind of like as reluctant friends, I guess I could put it. Well, and then it ends in a really weird way where, like, David Carradine puts, like, the do not disturb thing on the door. And it's like, that's a crime scene. Like, why are you, like, walking away from this so lackadaisical? Yeah, like, you're a fucking cop. Like, in a few hours, you're going to get a call about this crime scene. <laughs> yeah, it's like, this is not the, like... This is not the end to a sitcom show. Like, somebody's dead inside of that room. You're going to have to deal with that and fill out a lot of paperwork. 
And then that's basically the end, but then we have another quick shot. We see another egg in a different building, and it's shown hatching. Oh, are we ever going to get Q the Winged Serpent Part 2? No, because we're getting Q the Winged Serpent versus the Meg. Sadly, we won't because Larry Cohen died. Yeah. Um, <laughs> then credits, and that's movie. Yeah. I mean, I love this movie. It's always a lot of fun to watch. I uh, put a lot of that into, one, Larry Cohen's writing and directing. Michael Moriarty is a great character actor, and him and David Carradine together are a lot of fun. Yeah, I just really enjoyed the movie in general. I, I I love monster movies. Like, that's one of my guilty pleasures, like in horror. I guess not even guilty pleasure, but I really like that. So this hit that. The character work was great. I, I had a cool, like, big battle scene. Yeah, this was right up my alley. I really liked it. Yeah. So any final thoughts on Q? Like, um, Q is, well, like, we sometimes do where, like, what kind of horror fan would like this? Because, I mean, Q is a weird kind of horror-adjacent movie, I would say. Yeah, I guess so. It it checks all the horror boxes, but I get what you mean. Right. Where it's not 100% like fit into... It's like a monster horror kind of movie. Sci-fi horror, yeah. Right. So if you're like really into like, I would say Godzilla or any kind of like monster type movie where it's like, even if you like Creature from the Black Lagoon or like any kind of like the 50s like movies where it's like giant bugs and shit, you would probably like Q. And if you like a lot of like character actors and a lot of dialogue that's like really clever and sharp, you know. Yeah, for sure. I was going to go, like, if you like those creature feature style, like, again, like, kind of action horror, sci-fi horror, so Predator, um, Alien. Or even probably, like, The Blob. I, I had another one I was going to throw in, like, besides Alien Predator, obvious, and now I lost it. But it's but that yeah, kind like, of movie where it's a creature, like, they're, like, The Blob, Alien, or something is... Yeah, like, an eight-legged freaks, maybe, even, yeah, stuff like that. exactly. Yeah, I'd give it to any of those. Yeah, this, this movie was a lot of fun. Do you want to get to our kill count? Yeah, let's go. All right, so for those who don't know the Throbbing Horror kill count, what we do is every week we count all the kills in the movie, and we add up to all the kills that we've encountered in all of our previous movies, and that's the kill count. Last week we did A Nightmare on Elm Street, Brett, and that left us with a kill count of 357. Okay. How many kills do you think we got in this? Where do you think we're at? There was a lot of kills in this movie. Oh, yeah, there were. I'm gonna say, especially that beginning, they were just pounding them out. Oh yeah, we're yeah. The first few minutes, there's at least a couple. I'm gonna say fifteen. You you think fifteen? So you think we're at three hundred and seventy-two? Yeah. You are so fucking close. How are you so close and always visit? We're at (laughs) fourteen. Fourteen. Okay. Yes. Uh, so it brings us to a kill count of 371. You know how nice. you know when you're close? Is if I can tell you what I, the kill count would be. Because I can just add one or two or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, so it brings us to a kill count of 371. 14 kills in this movie. Pretty high for one I didn't think they'd have too many for. I mean, it had to make up for it with that phantasm shit. Oh, yeah. No kills in that movie. What the fuck? Yeah. Greg. Not, Brett, I didn't make that movie. Uh-huh. I believe... You sure, don't mean sure me. Greg, a.k.a. Don Coscarelli. Exactly. Blame Don. <laughs> um, so Greg every week does his kill count. I do my rating system, which we a couple weeks ago or last week or something, there was a little bit of a discrepancy where we were. I was like, does Cisco and Ebert 
do stars or whatnot but then i'm looking at my vhs copy of q the winged serpent that's right in front of me i have the collector's edition clamshell uh high definition vhs copy of q Ooh. the winged serpent i didn't know i'm surprised q got a clamshell that's usually reserved for bigger budget stuff well, this is when I still had my other job where I was like working in an office and I would just scroll through eBay like all day long looking at horror VHSs. No, and I'm just surprised like, Q in general, not that you have the clamshell. I'm surprised it ever got a clamshell. Oh, that's when I that's what I'm saying. When I saw it on eBay, I was like, holy shit, that's awesome. But it does say on the cover, Gene Sisko, uh, Gene Sisko gives it three and a half stars. So Cisco and Eber did do stars. So fuck stars because fuck who <laughs> Cisco and Ebert still after all these weeks, cause they talk shit on Friday the 13th and the eighties, <laughs> but that's not against other people. who use stars. No, cause Joe Bob uses stars and he is God. And we love Joe Bob. Yes. Um, I like to do something from the movie one through 10 to make it original because that's my thing. And I don't come up with that thing until right this second. And I'm trying to think what I could do from this movie. God, I'm having a hard one. What do you think, Ray? I don't know about this one. You can't revert it to me, can no, you? I'm just trying to think out loud. Um, well, I mean, they, uh, cups of coffee because they uh, the one of my favorite scenes of this entire movie is when Michael Moriarty and David Carradine are sitting down to have coffee. Okay, I was gonna go eggs, but okay. Yeah, but no, I don't know. I'm gonna say coffee. So one I think cup we of just coffee, did coffee, didn't we? What? We just did coffee for one of them. No, we didn't. Yeah, we did last week for Nightmare. We did? Yeah. Okay, so let's go eggs. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to tell you. We did some co- coffee last week. Because I, I don't remember last week. So, okay. So, last week we did coffee, so we're not going to do it again this week. We're doing eggs. <laughs> okay, giant eggs. Yes. Um. So, one egg is, it's like an egg that's not even cooked and it's like rotten and like, but you still have to eat it because you're starving. There's a monster but... popping out trying to eat you. Yeah, it's like an alien. It's like an egg from Alien, where it's gonna kill you. Okay. Um, ten egg, like a ten eggs, is like the gourmet eggs you get. Like, let's say you went out the night before and you're in Pittsburgh and you're like drank a whole bunch, and the next morning you're really hungover and you need just like classic bacon and eggs, and it just tastes the bet like the best thing in the entire world. What are those fancy restaurants where they like have like a hard boiled egg on like a fancy stand? What the fuck is up with that? Oh yeah, where it's like French restaurants where like they crack it in front of you with like the tiny spoon. Yeah, well, why is that a thing? I don't know, but it's that kind Dude, of. Egg. I know we have one or two French listeners. If you know, please let us know. I'm very intrigued with this. <laughs> I would give this movie seven eggs out of ten. Seven out of ten? Yeah, because I really enjoy it a lot. It's a lot of fun. I've seen it, you know, a, a few times and whatnot. And every single time I've had fun with it. There's like a disturbance in the force or something because I can't believe I'm giving this a higher rating than you because this seems more of a Brett movie than a Greg movie, but I gave it eight eggs. Oh, wow. Okay. I love this movie. I thought it was super fun. I had a great time with it. Because I'm trying to, like, not be so extreme with my ratings. Oh, yeah, Mr. Whatever you gave, Phantasm and Veronica. Well, Phantasm deserves it. Veronica was kind of a joke rating. But... Uh-huh. And so that makes sense. Okay, I'm glad I gave... I, I'm glad, because usually when it's, like, the more your style, you get mad at me, so... 
Oh no, I I absolutely love this movie. So, uh, are you ready for what's next week? Yeah, what are we watching next week, Greg? You know I'm excited about this one. We are doing Terrifier next week. Oh, nice. Yes. Oh my god. I'm just thinking about one scene immediately popped in my mind. <laughs> Look, if you guys have seen the movie, it's probably the same one I'm thinking of. You know the scene, specifically the kill we're talking about. Holy shit. This is definitely not for the faint of heart if you've never seen Terrifier. I think it's brilliant. Uh, I can't wait. I hope you guys watch it and join us for next week because that'll be a fun time. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Follow us on Twitter at Throbbing Horror. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Throbbing With Horror. I tweet shit all the time. Like, today's Monday, and I know Mondays are, like, pretty shit for a lot of people. So I tweeted out, like, a bunch of pumpkins. Well, no, I, I put them on Instagram. Like, a bunch of pumpkins we carved over the years just to make people smile. Because they make me smile. But today is Friday if they're listening on release day, so they're in a good mood. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, because it's Friday, and it might be the 13th, but it probably isn't. No, because we do Friday the 13th on Friday the 13th. But this is, someone could be listening to it in the future. Oh, uh, well, they could be listening to any day in the future, then. It doesn't yeah. have to be a release day. Hi, future people. Yes. Tell us about your flying cars two weeks from now. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, that's all I got, man. Yeah, um, as I don't think, I'm trying to think of anything like I watched or anything new here lately, and I've just been, like, listening to a ton of podcasts, basically. Like, nothing really new watching. Like, well, uh, Joe Bob did, um, Sludgehammer and Things last weekend. This was probably a couple weeks ago by the time you guys are listening to it. But the fact that he did Spookies the week before, and then followed it up with Sludgehammer and then Things... Which things is one of the worst movies I've ever seen, and I definitely want to cover it one day. It's well because they did Trade to Busan that same week with Spookies, which is the weirdest double feature on earth because that movie's brilliant. Oh yeah, Train to Busan, I loved. I hope we do that on the podcast one day. It's not on the schedule, but maybe for like a fill-in week or something. That movie's great. Oh, I'll be into that for sure. Um, I haven't been like as far as like horror stuff. I have been making my way through the Phantasm series. Um, I've just kind of been doing like a MCU rewatch because me uh, on Geek Positive this past Monday as of recording, me and Maxwell did like an MCU retrospective episode. It got me wanting to do that. So I'm hitting like all my favorites from that again. Also getting like stoked for that Loki series that starts this week. So kind of getting into that. So but as far as horror, just making my way through the Phantasm series. I'm looking forward to that Loki series. Yeah, that'll be good. I also loved when you asked, like, what's some of your guys' favorite quotes from the MCU? And mine was, I'm not feeling very good, Mr. Stark. Oh, I said, oh, you're a sick fuck. Yeah, because I made, like, a little intro for that episode. Like, I played the Avengers team, added a bunch of quotes from it and stuff. So that's why I was asking that. I was trying to think of, like, what's the most fucked up quote from the MCU? Yeah, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, if you don't have anything else. Nah, I'm good. All right, well, we'll see you next week, and we hope we've left your brain throbbing with horror.